Brian Gudikins has been known to surprise in round one. I think that is an understatement if we go back to something like 2020. So who is an off-the-wall pick that actually seems reasonable for the Packers? Or how about what is the perfect round one scenario for the Green Bay Packers? We open up the mailbag. We are taking your questions to dig into everything going on with Green Bay right now. And it starts right now. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Flotsam. Your team. Bob. Every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Ultimate Football GM. Right now, Locked on Packers listeners get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code Locked. On and thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Uh, a really fun mailbag show today. The the draft questions are always my favorite questions. Um, they're always my least favorite questions too. Um, not from you guys, but from people on Twitter who are just like say stupid stuff. Um, not because they're really asking for a question; they're just trolling really is the reality of the situation. Um, most of the time when you guys are sending questions, you you want an actual answer, not a fake troll, concern troll answer. So um, some good stuff here. Um, Brad on Twitter wants to know, um, with the value you see in the day two picks, what are realistic trade down options we would still get the Packers value in late round one with extra day two or three picks? So I, I mentioned this a little bit on yesterday's show, um, but I think this is a good a good reminder and a good place to do this. So when you look at the Rich Hill trade value chart, the Packers 15th pick is worth 315 in points. So if you want to get a day two pick, you have to trade down. You don't really have to go that far. You only need to go to like 17 or 18 to get a day two pick. Okay, that's Pittsburgh. That's Detroit. That's Tampa. That's Seattle. Well, who are those guys going to come up for? I think in the case of Pittsburgh, it could be a corner. I think in the case of Detroit, Seattle, and Tampa Bay, it could be for a quarterback. Could one of those guys move up for Hendon Hooker? Could one of those guys move up for Will Levis? Those are scenarios that I think work for the Packers because what you really want to avoid is being in a position where because you have two tight ends that are, are premium players in this draft, and really that I think are premium players in this draft, this has been billed as a big three, Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, and Michael Mayer. I don't think it's a big three. I think it's a big two. I think it's Kincaid and Mayer, who I called Dalton Schultz on the leap the other day. Sorry about that. Um, and I just think it's Mayer and Kincaid. I think those are the two guys. And so you want to make sure you get one of those two guys or a, a pass rusher that you really like, a Miles Murphy, someone like that, but but moving down to gain those picks. I think that's the kind of situation that you're looking at. A pass catcher, though. 
And really, it's JSN or the tight ends. Those are your options at 15. And the only reason you're going to trade down is because JSN's not on the board. Otherwise, you just take him. So in this scenario, I'm envisioning that they'd like to take a tight end, move down, add a day two pick. So that means you probably need to stay in front of, you know, Baltimore has a tight end at 22. Minnesota has a tight end. Um, Evan Ingram is in Jacksonville. The Giants just traded. So that leaves Dallas and Cincinnati. You have to stay above 26 and 28. I think that's a decent range. And if you go from 15 into the 20s, then, then you can get real value. Like if you go from 15 to um, 25, for example, that's that's real value. Like you're going to get real value. That is That is a late second round pick kind of value. Like the Giants would have to give up 57 to go from 25 to 15 for a player that they really like. Like let's say they love Quentin Johnson. That could make sense for Green Bay. So I think that's um, uh, just some good perspective on on how that can all play out. We'll see if if that's the way that the Packers are end up able to make it work out. We don't know, um, you know, where where they are are with their process and the guys that they really like at the top of their board. Okay, Kyle McClure asks on Twitter, is cornerback a sneaky pick for the Packers at 15? The cornerback group is the one of the stronger groups and the Packers love taking premium positions early. Could happen if they are going best player available. I, I don't think so. I don't think so if they're going to take a corner to play corner. And I think like I'm going to write about this for the leap next week, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. When you look at the premium positions, quarterback, receiver, pass rusher, tackle, corner. Yeah. Um, You tend to need to get those guys in the first round. So if you're going to draft them, you have to do it in the first. So I'm never going to say never with premium positions at the top of the draft, first round picks. Like if Christian Gonzalez or someone like that is there at 15, like, yeah, run the card in. And figure the rest out. Like super talented premium position players are they don't grow on trees. The thing that is, is I think often overlooked though, and the reason that I, I reject the idea of best player available, best player available is a myth, or at least it should be. It's the player who can most impact your team over the life of their rookie contract. Who can provide Maximum value to you, which is why I think the tight end conversation is is more interesting um, now for the Packers than it might otherwise have been. Corner, you have Jair for sure. You have Eric Stokes, who was really promising as a rookie, still really talented. We don't know what the medical situation is there, but you have Russell Douglas under contract. So you have three guys plus Keyshawn Nixon. If you're going to draft a corner to play corner, over the life of their rookie contract, they're just not probably going to impact your team unless they're one of those like elite, elite, blue chip type players. And those guys are just not probably going to be there at 15. So I understand the question because you and there's another question later about like the sort of what is the off the wall um, Brian Gutekind's pick? We're going to get to that. Um, I don't I don't think the answer is corner, but we'll see. Uh, We'll get to more of those questions in just a second. But before we do, today's episode brought to you by our friends at the Ultimate Football GM. 
a lot of these questions, most of these questions, maybe all of these questions are GM questions. They are ideas about how to build a football team. Well, if you have ideas on how to build a football team, the ultimate football GM is for you. You're responsible for basically everything, not just the things that you would think of like coaching moves or free agency or the draft. No, we're talking about assistant coaching hires. We're talking about scouting department hires. We're talking about the price of concessions at the stadium to generate more revenue so you have more flexibility in terms of cash to spend. All of that is part of the ultimate football GM. And Locked On Packers listeners get a free 100% boost on their franchise when they use the promo code Locked On in the game store. That's Locked On. So make sure to check it out today to download the game. Just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. All right. I love this question from Double Nickel. Absolutely love this question. Um, and I'm going to, I am going to write about this. I'm going to do, I'm going to give it more thought than I have for the show. Um, feeling more confident that the Packers are going to take two pass catchers early. What combo could they draft and how can they best help Jordan Love in 2023? And so he, he gives some examples. So let me start with what I think is the, the the best combination that they could come up with. Jackson Smith, the Jigba is your all day best case scenario receiver fit. He's going to play in the slot almost exclusively. So then how do you have a tight end who also maximizes that ability? I think it can't be another guy who plays exclusively in the slot or is going to be, you know, primarily um, that's where he's, that's where the best place for him to win is. And so you can say Michael Mayer, but the Packers would have to trade up to get Michael Mayer. I'd like, we have to go first round, second round here. I think that's how we have to think about this. So Jackson's been the Jigba in the first, Darnell Washington in the second, because he's the blocker. And then you can have those guys on the field at the same time. They complement one another. They're not taking up space from one another. I think that's that's the best way to put them together. Now, if you want to have two guys who are going to split out and you're going to play a lot of 11 personnel and, and you're basically going to be four wide, cool. But you need to have that blocker. And so I think this is an opportunity to do that. Um, in the tight end scenario first, Dalton Kincaid in the first, probably at 15, but in a trade down potentially. So he is going to be your, your F, your true move tight end. So then why not grab someone like Jonathan Mingo, who you can use like Alan Lazard, Ole Miss receiver, someone who can play H-back for you, who did play H-back for Ole Miss. They used him at Ole Miss so similarly to the way the Packers used Alan Lazard. And I, I posted this on Twitter. There's a, there's a stretch of plays where he does three things that are just full Packers. He is the, the lead blocker from the slot on an outside run. He is the intended target on a slide play action play where he starts at, in, in the H-back spot. And then he catches a receiver screen on an RPO. That is a Packers type all day. 
and you don't have to run plays for him. He's just going to go out and do all of the things that you need him to do. And you can let Dalton Kincaid go out and catch passes. So I, I really like that. And then the, the other one that I'll give you, and it is actually one of the ones that um, he, 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 Double Nickel is on this. Um, he gave another one of these that I really like. Um, he, he had JSN and uh, Laporta. I had JSN and Darnell Washington. He has the Kincaid Mingo one. Smart guy. And then I think the Mayor Hyatt one, that might actually be, and I said this on the show the other day, I think that is the combination that, that they would prefer. Because I think they, they think Jalen Hyatt is really, really good. And so Michael Mayer in the first, someone who's gonna, who can play that true Y, but also make catches in the middle of the field is going to block. And then someone like Jalen Hyatt, speed slot type, someone who can take the top off the defense, um, run those deep overs, um, crossing routes and use that speed. Someone who can create like that. That is so, so useful. I want to get Laporta in here because I just really like um, Matt Laporta, but it is, it, is a, it is kind of a difficult needle to thread because he was a move player. And so, I, I like, I, is there a blocker? Like, that's where it gets complicated for me. I don't, I don't, um, by, by the way, I call him Matt Laporta, Sam Laporta. Matt Laporta was a baseball player. Um, I don't have a great receiver pick with Laporta. JSN would be great because JSN would just be great. But, okay, let me do this. So, let me go Cedric Tillman and Matt Laporta. Um, <laughs> Matt Laporta, I did it again. Um, the, the reason being, Tillman is a vertical, linear kind of player. And I think that you, you're going to be able to get down the field with him. He's going to win on the outside. You can then use Laporta in the slot. Now, he can play in line, but you're going to use him in the slot. I think that's... I think that's the fit that makes the most sense. I don't have a, I don't love Musgrave as much as other people. So I kind of don't have him in the same sort of, I think there's actually a big four. If we're being honest, it's mayor, it's Kincaid in their own tier. And then you have um, Washington and Laporta. And then there's this Musgrave craft group after that. So I think, I think I feel good about, I feel good about those scenarios there. This is a this is a related question from the, the notorious PWB. What's the best first round outcome? Give up a day two pick to jump the Jets and trade up for JSN. Best player available at premium position at 15. Give something close to the Saints deal and get a tight end at the end of the first, but neither, but it's neither Meyer or Kincaid. So those are a lot of those. I think like ideally, ideally, you get Jackson Smith the Jigba at 15. That's ideal. I don't know if that's going to be able to happen. Like if we're just talking about ideal scenarios, yeah, it would be ideal in terms of like reasonable scenarios for him to fall. That would be great um, because of the value of tight end on day two and because you're getting him. Now, I certainly can also see the, the scenario where it's like, okay, Miles Murphy is there at 15. Sure. Paris Johnson Jr. is there at 15. Sure. Those guys are really good players. Broderick Jones even, but to a lesser extent, at 15. Yeah. Great. They're going to help your football team, and then you have plenty of opportunities on day two. But some of this is also related to how much capital you're getting in a Jets deal. 
You know, if you're getting 42 and then you have 42 and 45 plus 15, that makes it easier to give up 78 to go up and get Jackson Smith to Jigba. It makes it easier, in my opinion, to say, "Mm, we can get cute if one of these other premium position players is on the board. Someone like Paris Johnson Jr. So I think the ideal scenario is that you just sit and pick at 15 and it's Jackson Smith the Jigba um, because you can get uh, um, a really good player on day two at tight end. I also I think the secondary best case scenario is you trade down and you still get the tight end you like the most. I think I think it's going to be Michael Mayer is going to be the guy that they that they target. You move into the, the 20s, even the teens, you add a day two pick. And you get Mayer. I think that's a really good scenario too. Because I think he can come in and be that really, really high level complimentary piece. So can Kincaid. Um, and work the middle of the field. I think that makes a lot of sense for the Packers. All right. We're going to finish up here. But before we do, thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more, join NFL expert Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. All right, I telegraphed the question, this one from Mason. Um, who do you think is the most under the radar prospect that the Packers will be onto with their first pick? Thinking back to Goody's previous drafts, there's been so many, uh, I don't want to say surprise picks, but picks where we didn't really think the Packers would go. Jair, Gary Savage, Stokes um, rarely showed up in any pre-draft mocks. Okay, that's true to a point because we didn't think Jair was big enough, but we knew corner was, was going to be a pick. Same with Eric Stokes. Like that could have been a receiver very easily, but we knew after the Kevin King debacle, they desperately needed something at that position. Those do not strike me as surprising in the direction that they went in terms of position. It was surprising in terms of the player. Um, Darnell Savage, very similar. We knew they desperately needed a safety even after adding Adrian Amos. So like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was someone that had been mentioned to the Packers. There were a lot of players, um, safeties, who had been linked to the Packers, including Darnell Savage, who I had said pre-draft is the perfect complement to Adrian Amos. That was before the Packers even picked him. So I thought, okay, the real heart of this question is, who could the Packers value at a position that would make sense? One of these S-tier fits that we talked about the other day that isn't getting... Not just connectivity with the Packers at 15, but maybe high or middle first round love. And as I went back and looked at some of the options, I think the the name that I have landed on is Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. He is 35 on the athletic consensus board. So I've said this a million times. Everydayers are probably sick of hearing me say this, but The difference between 15 and 35 and 50 is infinitesimal. And there are going to be guys on on that are 50 on some boards and 15 on other boards. And they're both going to be right because there's just this big, mushy middle of players. He is a premium position player, an elite athlete from a blue, a, a blue chip program. With elite athletic measurables, he's a pass rusher with a high nines RAS. 
with two years of double-digit sack production at Notre Dame. Like, I, at a certain point, I kind of think we're just overthinking it. And like, yeah, that sounds like a first-round player to me. It just does. So I, I also think um, as you look around, um, some of these corners, I mentioned that like off the wall, I think that would be, there, would, there was some of these guys would, would genuinely surprise me. But one name that I think I want to flag Cam Smith from South Carolina posted a 9.68 relative athletic score, but there have been some discussions that maybe he's a safety. He's big. He's physical. And so I think a situation like that, Kaylee Ringo, for the same sorts of reasons, I wonder if the move there is, especially because the thing about Kaylee Ringo, and we've talked about this on the show a little bit, his best ability is to not get beat deep. He's so long. He's so fast. But especially in man coverage with the ball in the air. He doesn't always find the ball and he's a little stiff in man coverage. Sounds kind of like a safety. And if you're going to live in this too high world, play top down, then you don't have to worry as much about ball tracking and receiver tracking at the same time. And you're not going to get beat deep because he's just too fast, too big, too long. You're not going to want to throw, you know, those covered two hole shots to the sidelines. Or if you are, you better have it on a line or he's going to go get it. So those are the, those are a couple names that I think make a lot of sense. I mentioned Drew Sanders the other day in terms of the fit show. He's a great fit. I just, unless you're going to make him a full-time edge player. And, and if you want to do that, cool. He probably needs to put on some weight to do that. But like you, you get some vague, let me be very clear, some vague, vague. And I think, you know, maybe potentially skin color related vibes of tj watt when you watch drew sanders just because he's he's kind of all arms and legs he's he's skinny the way that that tj was at wisconsin but he's got some juice as a pass rusher man and and the athletic profile says so um 8.95 relative athletic score he is he is juiced he is twitched up and so i think i think that could make some sense for green bay i think i think that could be one of those picks that you go oh I wasn't expecting that, but it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, last but certainly not least, um, John on Twitter asks, um, what is your favorite old-fashioned recipe? As someone who has moved to Ohio, when I ask for a brandy old-fashioned sweet, it definitely confuses the bartender. So <laughs> let me tell you a quick story. Um, I lived in New York City for a decade. I still live in the tri-state area. Um, grew up in Wisconsin, so very, very much familiar with all of the different ways you can make uh, an old fashioned. We're at one of my favorite bars downtown with my wife. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time and some friends. And she says, um, order me a, a brandy old fashioned. We had just come back from Wisconsin. And so she was sort of on a brandy old fashioned kick. We go up to the bar, I order it. And the bartender looks at me and he was a nice guy. He just sort of looked at me and earnestly said, you don't want that. You're not going to, it's not going to be good. You're not going to like it. <laughs> and I said, it's not, first of all, it's not for me. It's for my girlfriend. And I was not throwing her under the bus. I was generally just saying like, I know I'm not going to like it. It's not for me. It's for her. And I, I am not a brandy old fashioned person. I'm just not, um, they're, they're too sweet. And if you have to add a bunch of stuff to make it not as sweet, then it's like, well then just drink something else. I like the way that old fashions are, I am, I am 
going to have my, my Midwest card pulled on this one. I like the way old fashions are made more regularly outside of the Midwest, which is to say without soda. I just want, just give me the, the sugar, the citrus, the bitters, and the whiskey. That's all I need. That's all I need. And that's how you, you go to any bar in New York and ask for an old fashioned. It'll be rye or bourbon and that's it. And most, most places I've been outside of the Midwest, you order an old fashioned, that's what they bring you in, in Midwest. People use seven up. They put seltzer. They add all kinds of stuff. You drink whatever you like, however you like it, please. I, I am not trying to yuck anybody's yum. I promise. Drink what you want. Do it responsibly. Um, I, I, you're not hurting anybody, hopefully. Um, so that, that's just me. I'm not a brandy old-fashioned sweet, brandy old-fashioned sour. No, no. I, I don't like brandy old-fashioned anything. My wife does. I'm bourbon, mostly, though... You know, I, I do rye from time to time. If if on a cocktail menu it says they use rye, I'm not going to tell them to not use rye. But if I'm at home and I'm making an old-fashioned, I will use bourbon. Um, usually Buffalo Trace, although Old Granddad is also really, really good for an old-fashioned in terms of like that easy-to-find, non-allocated. If you make if you make an old-fashioned with an allocated bourbon anyway, you're a weirdo. But again, if that's what you want to do, go do it. Um so yeah, I'm a, I'm a bourbon guy, and I don't I don't need the soda. I don't want the soda. I not 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 club soda, not sweet soda. No, thank you. It's just not for me. So if that's what you want, great. Um, but all this talk about old fashions, I'm gonna go make my one right now. Um, and I, you know, please go do the same. I have many many times on the live stream shows I, that we used to do on Periscope. I used to have an old fashioned regularly. Um, in fact, one of those cost me my computer back in the day. I was sober i had taken two sips of it during the live stream and i was putting my stuff away and knocked it over right on my laptop show he gone um we'll be back next week maybe we'll have an aaron Rodgers trade to talk about maybe we won't follow me on twitter peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google podcast wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers the number one packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened they want to know why and how what we try to do around here. Um, and anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we're going to be doing live streams around the NFL draft, live streams around an Aaron Rodgers trade. Those might end up being the same thing. We'll, we will see. Um, check us out on the Lockdown Packers YouTube page where we will be doing all of those live streams so you can stay Lockdown Packers.